27, verse 15. We're going to read down through verse 26. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release into the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And then Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more and said, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he was at not at prevail at all, but rather in the tumult was arising, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. When all the people answered and said, His blood be upon us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord today. Let it speak to our hearts, bring conviction, power, change lives. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And everybody said amen. Glory to God. Well, we're excited to be here this morning and to be in God's house. And I'm excited to continue our series today that I've entitled The Cross of Christ. Um, as I said last week, this is my probably my favorite holiday season as it relates to church holidays because Easter is, uh, along with Thanksgiving, one of the most purest because it celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Literally, it is the holiday that, and we get the word holiday from the word holy day, the, the, the one holiday that is uh, paramount to the Christian faith. Yes, the birth of Christ is important. Everybody say the birth of Christ is important. The, Christmas is very important, but let me tell you, there are a lot of world leaders who were born. Okay, Muhammad was born, all these different world leaders was born, but not all of them rose again from the dead. And that's what separates the, the boys from the men as it relates to our faith. Jesus Christ rose again on the third day. We're going to learn about that more next week. Um, last week, we, we studied in great detail about the cup of Gethsemane. Jesus, after the triumphal entry, went into the garden to pray, and he wrestled with the will of God. And Jesus, remember he said he prayed a couple times, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. We went over and looked at Isaiah, and Isaiah told us that it was the cup of God's wrath, that Jesus literally drank the cup of God's wrath that was due to us, which meant that, that whenever Jesus died on the cross, he bore the punishment of our sins. The literal rendering of the word atonement means to be a substitutionary work. Jesus literally took our place. Last week we, we learned that that's a great place to shout because if Jesus took the cup of God's wrath, that means that we don't have 
to take the cup of God's wrath. If we will say yes to Christ, just like Jesus said yes to the cross, then what happens is our sins are remitted and washed away. And Jesus forgives us of all of our iniquities. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good trade right there for Jesus to take my life for his life. Amen? His spotless life, his blemishless life, and give me eternal life. That's what we talked about. Judas came in, his disciple who betrayed him with some 30 pieces of silver and sold out the Lord. And, and there the accusers came and they, they took him and they brought him to the place where we are this morning at the courtroom. And Jesus is standing trial alongside a man by the name of Barabbas. I've entitled today's message, The Question of All Questions. The question of all questions. I want you to know that life is filled with questions. By the time a person is born unto their death, they will have answered millions, if not trillions, of questions. We ask ourselves questions introspectively, don't we? Uh, we wake up in the morning and we say, well, what am I going to wear today? Uh, uh, many of you right now are feeling the hunger pains of the physical flesh and you're saying, where are we going to eat? In fact, I ensue and I ensure that by the time we get in the car today, some of you will need counseling because it, it will say, where do I want to eat? I don't care. Uh, I don't know. Well, let's go to Carlita. I don't want that. I thought you said you didn't care. Come on, somebody. Anybody else had this conversation beside me? Right? All right. So that's why the people down there going towards Fort Supply were smart when they named it I Don't Care Cafe. Can I get an amen? I'll tell you, that dude needs a crown in heaven right there. It's amazing. We face, we're faced with these questions, these questions that come to us in our lives. There are more questions, and, and sometimes we ask ourselves questions and we answer ourselves introspectively. And there are some questions that are really not that serious. You know, some of the little details of life, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to eat today? For some people are more serious than others, but there are some life-altering questions. There are some questions in life that we have to ask ourselves that literally alter our future, right? Here we go. What are a couple of those? Well, here's one of them. Well, here's one of those questions. What should I do with my life? What should I do with my life? Have you ever known that person in college who constantly changes their major? First, they're going to be a nurse, then they're going to be a lawyer, then they're going to be a doctor, and they've been in college a whole lot. You know what, what degree program those people are in? It's the space program. Because they're taking up space. They don't know where they're going to be in life, right? But thank God they're getting their basics down. The space program. People ask, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to be a doctor? Am I going to be a lawyer? Uh, uh, for some of you who are looking, I just saw a news article this week that Walmart is starting all of their truck drivers out at $110,000 a year. There you go for a career choice. Some people say, what should I do with my life? Here's another question that alters our life. Who should I marry? Or should I get married? These two questions are important. The Bible says there are some people whom God has called to be single. That is the exception and not the rule. The Bible said it's not good for man to be alone. So what we see is that people are looking for a mate in life. And, and who you choose to attach yourself to for the rest of your life, it matters. Right? It matters. 
It matters so much that it alters our destiny. As Christian people, we, we don't necessarily believe that divorce is the first answer. The Bible gives some, some outs for divorce, you know, adultery and abandonment and things like that. And, uh, but, but the truth is, is that, that people do get divorced. It's not the unforgivable sin, but the truth is, is that those decisions met unlikely alter our lives. Alter our lives. Some of your lives are altered right now because of a bad marriage. Who should I marry matters. Here's another question we have to wrestle with. Not only what should I do with my life, but where should I work? You know, the Bible doesn't tell us where to work. The Bible just says we should work. That's why having a relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. Because He leads us on the daily. The Bible gives us the the general plan of God's will. We see Jesus in action as the will of God to save and to heal and deliver. And and Proverbs is full of principles. And and the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he should not eat. Right? It's what it says. It's what it says. But the Bible doesn't say should I drive a dump truck? Should I drive a, a truck for Walmart? It doesn't say should I go to be a nurse practitioner? It doesn't say should I be a basketball coach or anything like that. All of those things have to be wrestled with and, and sought out through prayer or trial and error or, or whatever. We have to ask ourselves where am I going to work? Here's another one. Where should I live? I saw a video last night of a, of, a, of a family in Arizona who a rattlesnake had crawled into their garage. And the woman said, I didn't sign up for this. I will take a numb, cold face over rattlesnakes every day of the week. You got to ask yourself, where am I going to live? Do I want to live in North Dakota? Do I want to live in Mexico? Do I want to live in the panhandle of Oklahoma? Where do I want to live? These questions are vitally important as they shape our lives. We all have to wrestle with those type of questions. But friend, there is one question that is above all questions. It's above the marriage question. It's above the work question. It's above the where should I live question. It is the question, my friend, of all questions. Are you ready? What then shall I do with Jesus? Who is called the Christ? That's the one question that will alter mankind's eternal destiny for all of eternity. This question right here stares every one of us in the face. Now, this morning, let me talk to you for just a moment. Jesus is ushered out of the Garden of Gethsemane, he's brought before Pontius Pilate. And there stands a man by the name of Barabbas who was a convicted murderer. Now, Pilate's wife, obviously in dealing with Jesus, they knew that that really it was envy, as the Scripture said, that, that they wanted to really just X Jesus off of the planet. He came and he upset the apple cart. He turned over the religious system. He did all of those things. And and in Jesus' ministry, although what he did was good, he healed the sick, he fed the poor, he set the captive free, he released the demoniac, he brought the dead back to life. All of those things that Jesus added to society was great, but it upset the religious apple cart. And so because of that, what happened is the religious right said, we want to exterminate Jesus 
off of the face of the earth. And so they begin to uh, try to set him up. And, and the scripture is so explicit that when they came to try to get Jesus, the Bible said that he slipped through the crowd. He passed through because his time was not yet. Uh, that, that scripture right there always sticks with me because it says his time was not yet. And isn't it great to know that when you're in the will of God, the enemy can't get you or take you out when it's not time yet. Hallelujah. The Bible said he just slipped through the crowd, but this was coming a moment where the time was come for Jesus to fulfill the purpose of God in his life. This was the yes that Jesus said yes to it was the cross of Christ and our olive skinned dark brown Messiah uh, who was a Jew was facing Golgotha's cross and the agony of the and the pain of the crucifixion was staring him right in the face but Pilate began to have a conscience his wife had a dream this is interesting to me. I'm a details person. If you go back and you read Matthew's account where we read just a moment ago, it says that Pilate's wife came and said, I've been troubled by this man all day from a dream. Conviction grabbed her heart all the day long. And she began to think about Jesus and being innocent. The Bible doesn't go into detail. Did an angel appear to her? We don't know. It's possible. That happened in Scripture a lot. Did she have a dream? Did she have a vision? All she knew was that Jesus was who he said he was. And that, that Pilate would be guilty of the, of the blood of an innocent man if he did this. And so Pilate said, you know what? I'm going to take the political loophole. In the political loophole of that day, of this season, they were allowed to release pardon. We would call it a pardon. Uh, the governor was allowed one person to pardon for their sin, no matter what they had done. So here he finds a notorious man, a murderer, by the name of Barabbas. By all intents and purposes, this man would have been the one that society would have wanted to snuff out. He's the one people would have said, send him to the electric chair. Put him to the firing squad. He had terrorized all of the, the land. And he was a, a, a guilty murderer. And here we have Jesus. One who was compassionate and kind. One who, as I said a moment ago, healed the sick and saved the lost and, and one who righted wrongs. Here we have one who added to society right next to someone who detracted from society. Literally, it could be said in very simple terms, Barabbas was the scum of the earth. His name is interesting because his name is Barabbas. This is a surname. Not his first name. If you notice scripture, Jesus referred to Peter one time, Simon Bar-Jonah. In the Hebrew culture, whenever Bar is attached to the name, it means son of. So Simon Bar-Jonah, it literally means Simon, the son of Jonah. That's how names were in those days. And so here we have Barabbas. Bar means son of. Abba means father. We don't know who this man or what his first name was, but his surname meant the son of my father. I want you to notice 
that in this courtroom depiction right now, we have two people. We have Barabbas, who is guilty of murder and terrorizing the nation. And here we have Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We have on this side a man who is guilty. We have another on this side, a man whom no guile was found in his mouth. And Pilate said, I know the answer of how to fix this problem because I know the people are looking to me for an answer. So I've got to figure out what to do. What do I do? And so Pilate begins to ask him, what shall we do? Who do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate is faced again with the question of all questions. If you can see this this morning, he's faced with it. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And what did the crowd do that morning? They said crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. So at that moment, Jesus began his march towards Golgotha's hill. That's interesting to me, Pilate being frustrated in an act of physical nature, has a bowl, a basin of water. He washes his bloody hands and he says, let my hands be free from the blood of this innocent man. And the people jeered, let his blood be upon us and our children's children. And indeed, it was. Folks, at this moment, at this moment, Pontius Pilate was sitting in the judgment seat, judging Jesus, asking the crowd, what will you do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Pilate was sitting in judgment. But friend, I want to tell you a startling reality. For those of you who are in this room this morning, for those of you who are watching online, for those of you who are listening, here's the starting reality. It's that while Pilate was sitting in judgment against Jesus, the Bible says now that Jesus has been crucified and resurrected and now seated at the right hand of God, the Bible says we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And as Pilate asked the crowd, what will you do then with Jesus who is called the Christ? You and I will be asked the same question on judgment seat. What did we do with Jesus who is called Christ? Friends, it matters more than who you marry. It matters more than the degrees behind your name. It matters more than any other question you will ask in your life. For if you don't answer this question right, it is the damning of your soul. What will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? You know, as I was thinking about this this morning, I was thinking about several things. I've been chewing on this all week long. I've been meditating upon the answer of the question, the question of all questions. And I wrote a couple of things down. First of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, it's a present question. It's in the moment question. He's asking the question right here. What shall I do with Jesus 
who is called the Christ. It was the question that was staring them in the face that very hour. It wasn't a question that can be put off. It wasn't a question that you could answer tomorrow. It wasn't a question that you could skip over, just like skipping over a question on a multiple choice test. The question had to be answered. What will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And my friends, I'm telling you this morning, this is the question of the present hour today. For those of you who are in this room, the Lord is speaking to you now. Those who are backslidden, those who are away from God, those who are cold and indifferent, those who are Sunday morning only Christians, the Lord is asking you today, what will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? It's a present reality that is staring us in the face. I want to submit to you this morning that on Judgment Day, there will not be one person under the sound of my voice this morning who will be able to walk away and say, I didn't know, I never heard, I never had the opportunity. This bald-headed preacher from northwest Oklahoma, glory to God, will stand before you in a vision at Judgment Day as the Lord shows us the opportunities that we had. And you will not be able to say, I was without excuse. It's a present question. That's staring all of us in the face today. What will we do with Jesus? It's not just a present question. But number two, it's a, it's a personal question. Pilate had to ask the question, what will I do with Jesus? He asked the crowd then, what shall I do with Jesus on your behalf? It's a direct question. Everybody say it's a direct question. I want you to know something that on Judgment Day, it will not matter what your mama has done. On Judgment Day, it will not matter what your daddy has done. It will not matter what grandma and grandpa had done. It won't matter that they were deacons or ushers. It will not matter that they were Sunday school teachers. It will not matter any of those things. It is a personal question because it is a personal relationship with a personal Savior and a personal God. The question is, what will we do with Jesus who is called the Christ? The Lord asked Peter before the crucifixion, Early on in his ministry, as he ushered him up to the northern tip of Israel, at the Syrian border, he said, Peter, come close. Peter, let me ask you a question. Peter, you know my ministry. You saw my actions. You know what I do. Peter, let me ask you a question. It's important. Yes, Master, what is it? Who do men say that I am? Who, who do men say that I am, Peter? Some say you're Elijah, resurrected from the dead, John the Baptist. Some say you're another prophet. Jesus, I can just see him lean in a little closer, and he says, Peter, that's great. But who do you say that I am? Peter, who do you say that I am? Friends, it doesn't matter what Fox says, it doesn't matter what CNN says, it doesn't matter what the liberal left says, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. What matters is what do you say about Jesus? Peter said, you are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And what did he do? He said, right answer, Peter, right answer. You answered the question correctly. And because you told me who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. You are Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is, is built on the bedrock of the revelation of who Jesus is. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And let me tell you something. The world may be going to hell in a handbasket, but everything else will fall except for the kingdom of our God and His Christ. And what does the Bible say? One day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. We have stressed over the leaders of the world, and we've had wicked ones in our day. We've had our share of Hitlers. We've had our share of Neros. We've had our share of Stalins and and Putins now and and certain ones like that. And we say, well, what's going to happen? You may get away with it on this side of eternity, but you will answer this question. You will not be able to skip this question because it is a personal question. This question will stare us in the face at eternity. What did you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? The only difference is right now we can still change our answer. But you will not be able to change it at the judgment seat. Are y'all still with me this morning? Not only is it a personal question, but it's a pertinent question. The word pertinent simply means relevant. It's a relevant question. What will you do with Jesus who is called Christ? Sometimes people ask us a question and they try to dodge the question. and They'll say, that's not a relevant question. Oh, but it is. It is a relevant question. Why? Because just as Pilate presented before the people, Barabbas, the son of his father, here we see Jesus, the son of the father. (laughs) We see Barabbas, who is the son of an earthly father, who is a sinful man. And here we see Jesus, who is the son of the heavenly father, who is without sin and without any transgression. It is a pertinent question. Why? Because you and I were born with a sinful nature. It's important. Next week, we're going to face ourselves in the scripture with the gruesome, horrible death of the cross. And we're going to look into the microscope and see what it is that Jesus did honestly providing redemption. But this is a pertinent question. Why? Because it pertains to us. Pertains to us. Friends, let me tell you something. The only way we can stand before a holy God is through the righteousness that is given to us by faith. Amen. Let me explain something to you. When we come to Christ... He takes our filth, he takes our sin, he takes our past, he takes our nature, that that thing that is filthy, and he takes it and he gives us a new nature. He removes the guilt and shame and penalty of our past, sets us on a course of a new future. Why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, everybody say all. 
I'm not a Greek scholar, but in the Greek, all, it means all. It means everybody. All-inclusive. Billy Graham, yes. D.L. Moody, yes. Steve Hill, yes. The greatest preacher, yes. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every last one of them. Say, well, pastor, I don't know. So-and-so, they're pretty bad. Don't judge another person just because they sin different than you. All sin separates you from God. Amen? And self-righteousness and pride is just as much of a sin in God's eyes as murder. And let me tell you something. It's a pertinent question because none of us will get to heaven because we're good. We will only get to heaven because He is good. And we answered the question correctly. What will I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? It's a pertinent question. And it's facing every single one of us today. It's relevant. Here's number four. Not only is it a pertinent question, but number four, it's a pressing question. It demands an answer. Now, I'm going to say something here that some of you are not going to like. But God never called me to be popular. He called me to be holy. It's a pressing question. A lot of times when things are pressing in our nation. As Christians that go against our values, things like abortion, homosexual marriage, things that are moral, if people say they're political issues. No, they're moral issues. You understand that the law that we have now in society was based off of the Ten Commandments, which is a moral law. You shall not murder, you shall not kill, you shall not bear false witness. All of these things are moral laws. These are not political issues. They are moral issues. And there are people every day who are faced with the opportunity to have a voice about an issue. And what do they say? I don't want to get involved. I just don't want to do all of that. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. In a world where there are pressing questions, a no vote is still a yes vote. You can't choose to say no to this question. Because when you say no to Christ, it's an automatic yes for the other side. It's a pressing question. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Pilate was looking at the crowd and he knew I had to provide an answer. And what did they say? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus that day was led up Calvary's hill with a cross on his back. The statement that rings through my head this morning is the statement of the people as they jeered and they sneered at the Messiah. Let his blood be upon us. Upon our children. Friends, what you do with Jesus matters. What you do with Jesus matters. Now, here's the interesting thing, and I'm closing. Not certain of the future of Barabbas. 
But if you fast forward a little bit in the story of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 27, going into chapter 28, Jesus makes his way up to the cross. The Bible says there he was situated between two thieves. Not even murderers. Thieves. They mocked him. Reveiled against him. They reviled him. They pulled out his beard. They beat him beyond recognition. One thief on one side began to say, you're the son of God. Save yourself. Save yourself. Just save yourself if you're the Messiah. I can just see in my mind's eye the conversation. Scripture doesn't record all of it, but I'm sure. He, he said, you know, you could call on 10,000 angels. Mocked him. Son of God, where's your Savior now? Where's your God now? And then there's a thief on the other side. There's a thief on the other side. Jesus is in the middle. Jesus is in the middle. And the question. Is inferred because the man. Looks at him and he says. This man's a just man. You and I, we deserved what we did. We did the crime, now we got to pay the time. We knew what we were getting into. But this man's a just man. He doesn't deserve any of this. And the thief on one side hung his head. He said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me a sinner. And Jesus responded to him and said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today. One thief rejected him. Another thief said, yes. It's a pressing question because one minute longer, that thief would have entered into the portals of the damned. Eternally separated from God. But it was a pressing question for this one thief. What will you do with Jesus? It's called Christ. One said yes. And he entered into eternity. And another said no. And he entered to a harsh reality. Friends, today... It's the question of all questions. What will you do with Jesus, who is called Christ? This is not about a religion. It is about a relationship with the Son of the living God. That literally, Jesus says, if you give me your life, I in turn will give you mine. And the sins that you've committed, they'll be remembered against you no more. And that heart that is stony and hard will be turned into a heart of flesh and it'll be made washed white as snow. Question of all questions is, what will we do with Jesus who is called Christ? Everybody stand on your feet.
across this room this morning. Let me just give you the answer to this open book test. It's hard to fail an open book test. There are only two right responses, or two responses rather, to this question. What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? Number one, you can accept him. Or two, you can reject him. God loves you enough that he did not make you a puppet on a string. Because, listen, it wouldn't be love if, if you trapped your spouse in the house and, and you, you, you made them do things or whatever. That's not love. That's not a relationship. God doesn't work that way. It, it is a entering into a covenant relationship, and he wants us to make the choice. So here's the thing. You can choose Jesus or you can reject Jesus. You're either for him or against him. But hear me this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. There is no neutral. Now, I'm going to say something. Two men on the, on, on, the, on the same hill with Christ, right? Both of them thieves. Both of them facing death, immediate death. There's an answer in the middle, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. I, I hear people all the time, preacher, I don't want to serve God right now. I'm going to live my life while I'm young. And when I get older, I'm going to accept Christ. Will you? Will you? We think people just do that automatic. You know what the thief on the cross tells us? It tells us that it's possible, but the one who rejected also tells us that it's not always probable. Because some people are so hard by the time they get to death, their conscience is seared. And you may not have ever seen somebody in a situation like that, but I have. Somebody's so hard at death, they go out of this world cursing God. So friends, don't wait till the last moment. Why? Today's the day of salvation. The Bible says in the day that you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't push it off to tomorrow. Man, I'm not trying to scare you. This really not. I'm just, turn on the news. Anything can happen between today and tomorrow. But right now is a gift from God. That's why it's called the present. It's a present question. What will you do with Jesus who is called Christ? Every head bowed and every eye closed.